Foo Pod. Yeah, that's right. It's the Foo Pod. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's your favorite gang here from the Prem Pod. Just, uh, we're going to talk some German soccer here for the next little bit. I'm your host, Ryan McKenna, and alongside me, as always, is Jeff Lowe, along with uh, Peter Galindo. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello there. So, guys, uh, I think we came up with this idea a few weeks ago where, you know, obviously we've been doing the Prem Pod all throughout the pandemic, uh, recapping some former and, and old games called the Prem Pod Classic. But with live football and soccer back, it was almost too good of an opportunity to pass up to at least watch some live soccer, which I know you guys are already doing, and then talk about it a little bit more. So I'm personally pretty excited to get back talking about live games and, and live action because it's so much different than watching a, an old game and talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it, it actually got to the point where watching the classics games became a bit of a chore for me. I'm not going to lie, just because like taking notes and, and everything that kind of went into it, remembering everything, it became a really long process for me. And just having live, I'm just thrilled to have live sports back. As am I, because there were times when I would kind of forget like, oh, right, we have to watch a game for for the podcast this week. And if you've already seen it, you kind of already know what's going to happen. And it kind of, I don't want to say ruined things, but it, it just didn't have the same impact to say a live game would because you literally have no idea what's going to happen in real time. So it's nice to have that. Exactly. Yeah, so we've had a couple of match days in the Bundesliga since soccer came back. And it's been really interesting to watch. Uh, I think the the excitement and the buildup to that first match day, and the Bundesliga schedule has been so packed since then that it's been a little bit tough for us to mix in this podcast. But maybe let's start off by your guys' sort of feelings going in. You'll probably experience that similar feeling once the Premier League comes back and, and other sports as well. But what was sort of going through your guys' minds as you sort of sat down in the early morning on, on a Saturday to watch live soccer again. For me, it was all about the ritual about watching live sports in general and keeping up with leagues, checking lineups, watching Twitter overreact to lineups, sitting down to watch a match with a cup of coffee. And then even when matches aren't being played that we were missing out on because of the pandemic, watching highlights, reading columns, checking standings and upcoming matches and just looking forward to live sports to watch. That was something that I, I feel that I definitely took for granted uh, before all of this went down and have been thoroughly enjoying since the Bundesliga came back. I have never been so happy in my entire life to see lineup graphics on Twitter. Like when those started rolling in at about eight 30 Eastern, I cannot recall ever being that excited but then once the game started going it was nice to obviously get a coffee which i always do before watching games get out a notepad to take notes at halftime getting all my you know countless graphics together it was just nice to be able to do all of that again and to actually just see live stuff because even though we're still going through a pandemic there's still a lot of there was a bit of normalcy in this and that i think was the best part about it all was that even for just a couple of hours or a few hours, depending on how much you watched, you got some semblance of your old life back, which is nice. That's really well put, actually. The normalcy of it is just, it's so calming in a time where rarely do we feel calm. 
Yeah, I think you guys both really nailed it there. And that normalcy or, or, or those small, subtle little things. On, on that note, guys, what was maybe the thing that you missed the most about live soccer? You know, uh, you both sort of relayed the fact that you got some sort of normalcy back. But what did you miss most about actually watching the games? Was, was there a particular thing that you missed the most during it? I don't think there really was any particular thing. I think it was just everything put together, just what kind of encapsulates watching a live match. And I never thought I'd be breaking down like, oh, what's it like to watch live sports? But I mean, obviously what's happened has sort of led to everybody, I guess, uh, reminiscing on things and realizing, you know what, we got to enjoy these things more. But but it was just everything put together for me. It, it, it was just very exciting and again, weird to have it back. Yeah, for, for me, I agree with all that. And, and maybe if we get more into a, a micro level, I mean, th- this isn't normal now, even how they're playing it. But but just being able to watch, you know, a smooth build-up play that leads to a goal, like something like that. And seeing, you know, Peter alluded to it earlier, talking about classic matches. The thing with that was, is that we knew when the goals were coming. I looked to see when it was happening. I was surprised by no goals, but but when a goal goes in after a really nice team build-up play, there really isn't much better than that. And that was probably what I missed the most. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, Jeff, the build-up to a goal in, in live soccer. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I think uh, all three of us were watching the, the Dortmund-Schalke game, uh, which was the, the marquee matchup on that. Uh, first day back for Bundesliga and I think the I think it was the first goal by Dortmund I could be wrong but that's a perfect example of something along the lines that you're talking about Jeff and that it's just such a beautiful lead up to it and then Holland with a beautiful goal to to finish off the play and it's just uh, you know it's those little things that that really do make soccer the beautiful game yeah I think you're right that was the first goal and it was actually the first goal of the return and it, it was actually, it perfectly captures what I'm talking about. You know, there was a, an amazing uh, flick from Julian Brand and then a great cross in and Holland put it away. It was just a, a beautiful team goal. And, and to get that as the first goal that, that we get back for live soccer after two months is, is incredible. So with all the action now taking place and we just had some action both yesterday and today, Let's talk a little bit about the tables because a lot has happened here in the Bundesliga over that period of time. I think the biggest one of all is Der Klassiker yesterday. Peter, uh, you did a great job over at your workplace of of setting this game up. Kudos to you for that. And it was a really entertaining match overall. And it it finished in a 1-0 victory for Bayern. Let's talk about this a little bit and the impact that it sort of has on the table. With that win, Bayern goes ahead of Dortmund. They have 64 points atop the Bundesliga table, and now Dortmund is a staggering seven points behind them. Bayern, it looks as though, guys, that they're all set to wrap up an eighth straight Bundesliga title with six match days remaining. Yeah, for sure they are. If you look at any of the, I guess, statistical odds websites, uh, like 538, for example, they give Bayern a 98% chance of winning the title now, and it's not a surprise. Seven points with six games to go, it's going to be insurmountable. They still have Leverkusen and Gladbach, but 
at the same time, Dortmund has to win both of their games, provided Bayern loses, and they just got so much ground to make up. That's why even a draw might have been okay. It, it probably wouldn't have helped a lot, but at least they would have still been, been within somewhat close touching distance. And what I think made this game so interesting was when you looked at the actual chances for both teams, there weren't a lot of clear-cut opportunities. It was actually quite even in shots and expected goals in, you know, in terms of who had the, the best counter-attacking opportunities. And both teams were very good defensively. Neither team was really able to penetrate the opposing defense. They were very astute. They had tons of players behind the ball. Bayern at times had six or seven players back, which you don't often associate with them. And that obviously made a difference because Dortmund weren't really able to profit. Although Erling Haaland, yes, he has now gone back-to-back games without being involved in a goal, but he had a couple of pretty good chances, one of which it looked like should have been a handball on Jerome Boateng. But he's so left-footed, all he really had to do was just open to his right when receiving a pass, and he would have had basically the entire goal open to him. But again, that's something he still probably has to learn at the highest level is just trusting his right foot more. But overall, it was a really intense game. It was played at a fast pace, and you really couldn't have asked for much more in a match of that magnitude. Yeah, I think, you know, despite all of the high-quality defensive play, it was still a really fun game to watch, especially the first half. These are obviously two really high-quality teams, and they put that on display. When it comes to, to Bayern bungling this, you know, what seems like a guaranteed title, I, I just don't see how it happens, even if... Worst case scenario, Lewandowski, you know, gets hurt and can't play the rest of the season. I don't even see that being a devastating hit. Any injury hit this team might take, they're just so deep and they find ways to win that I I just don't see them giving up this lead. It, It just seems so insurmountable. No, and they were missing Thiago in this game and he is so integral to how they they build up especially down the left and and Alfonso Davies is is somewhat reliant on Thiago actually kind of dragging defenders out of position and opening that that space in the in the left half space that he can run into and yet Leon Goretzka was dropped in there for both the Eintracht and Dortmund games and did quite well in that deep role despite the fact he's not as good of a of a passer under pressure as Thiago but this allowed Joshua Kimmich to thrive and my god what a week he had in both games he was sublime and obviously that goal was was magnificent yeah that yeah. was a sick goal just a beautiful chip Roman Berkey got most of it I feel like but just not enough where, where do you guys think that goal ranked among the ones that you've seen so far uh, since the Bundesliga has come back that's definitely um, up there I mean I would I would say it's it's in the top five, but it might have to be in the top 10 because I've seen a lot of really great goals, especially in the first week back, there were some really beautiful goals. So as, as nice as that goal is, there are others that I have ranked higher than that for sure. Fair enough. You know, we talked about the title race and I think the focus now shifts to those Champions League spots in the Bundesliga a little bit. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, Dortmund, uh, so one through four gets into the Champions League and and Bundesliga. And so you have Bayern at the top, Dortmund in second on 57 points, Leipzig in third on 55 points. And then, you know, where Leipzig is, is really sort of gets interesting. So Leipzig's on 55, Gladbach is 53, and then Wolfsburg, who actually had a big victory yesterday over Leverkusen. They're quite a ways away, but 
Wolfsburg keys up their, their good uh, play, then, you know, maybe they sneak back up there or stuff to say. It's just funny how much they keep tripping over each other because for the first two matches, it looked like Bayer Leverkusen was not only odds on to finish in the top four, but maybe even be an outside challenger for Bayern for the title. Um, and then they get crushed by Wolfsburg. Borussia Mönchengladbach looked very good in their opening game in the restart. They go on to only pick up one point in their next two games. They lost that pivotal game against Bayer Leverkusen where they looked amazing. And then you have RB Leipzig, who, yes, they might end up finishing in the top four, but this was a team that before the, the restart was still in the title race, but they have now dropped 13 points at home for a team that considers itself to be a contender, let alone a team that wants to finish in the top four all the time. That's incredibly detrimental. And both games that they fail to win out of the three they've played so far in the restart uh, have both come at home and both draws that certainly the first one against Freiburg, they deserve to win that just based on the amount of chances they created, but couldn't convert. Whereas this, uh, this draw today, um, against Hertha, they just were not good at all and were actually gifted a goal. But it's just so, so tight. And this is what I think is going to give a lot of neutrals a, a reason to watch the rest of the Bundesliga is basically which team is going to end up getting those last two spots and maybe even three because Dortmund isn't necessarily clear and dry either. Basically what you're saying there, Peter, is that these teams are are crazy inconsistent because we've seen some really good performances from all three. I mean, look at what Leipzig did on the weekend, scoring four goals and Timo Werner with a hat trick. And we've seen Kai Havertz play well and, and Gladbach can play really well too. But then they've also put in some really bad games. I mean, Leipzig had that game where they had a ton of chances and Leverkusen beats Gladbach convincingly and then gets beat 4-1, and, and Gladbach wins convincingly, and then and then they lose. These teams just, and whether it's it's just who they are, I mean, Peter, you've alluded to Leverkusen being that kind of team, uh, or whether it's, it's about coming back after two and a half months off. Whatever it is, it's going to lead to a lot of entertainment for the last six match days that we've got left here. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you had the first quick turnaround since the restart, and you saw quite a few players actually getting substituted, a lot of teams using that five-substitute rule uh, to their advantage. Uh, Dortmund certainly used it against Bayern at halftime. They brought in two players right away. That's going to be a massive question for kind of the rest of the season is as they start to play more frequently, and they're not used to it over the last couple of months, will the soft tissue injuries start to creep up? We saw Erling Haaland limp off yesterday. Wouldn't be surprised if more players end up doing that. So for, for the time being, I'll give teams the benefit of the doubt, but it doesn't necessarily bode well that they can look so good in one game and then three days later or a week later look so poor. One, one team I want to just shout out before we get to relegation here, and by shout out, I actually mean the opposite of whatever shout out would be, is, is Schalke, who, Peter, you might you might be able to speak better to this about what you expected from them. But coming into this restart, they've been really bad. They've lost all three games. They didn't score a goal until their game this afternoon in which they lost to Dusseldorf. But looking back into before the restart even, they haven't won a league game since January 17th. I was I was expecting more out of this team than they've delivered since the restart. And I'm just really surprised. I mean, maybe... It's not being talked a lot about because they are still in ninth mid-table, but I'm just really kind of shocked at their terrible play at this point in time. 
that's a good sort of lead in here to, uh, you know, as what Jeff mentioned, looking at the relegation battle here in the Bundesliga. As Peter mentioned, Dusseldorf comes away with a 2-1 victory over Schalke earlier today. And they're currently in the 16th spot here in the Bundesliga tables uh, on 27 points. And 17th is Werder on 22 points and an 18th Paderborn on 19 points in the Bundesliga 17 and 18 get relegated and 16 plays. Uh, I believe, Peter, you said it's uh, the first place club of the second division. Is that correct? Third place in the second division. So uh, as uh, Peter had alluded to earlier, uh, the 16th place club plays the third place uh, club in the second division to see who stays in the main Bundesliga. So uh, not only that, but uh, Dusseldorf is one point behind Mainz uh, in 15th on 28 points. And then uh, Frankfurt is in 14th on 29 points. So there's still lots of... uh, moving around at the bottom of the table in the, in the Bundesliga as well. We, yeah, and Dusseldorf, sorry, Peter. No, go uh, ahead. Dusseldorf ha- has made things really interesting because now, um, you know, from when the re- from when the league was was uh, paused to the restart, they've now got five, a five-game unbeaten streak going, including that win today. So what looked like was probably going to be a 16th place finish and that flip of the coin um, playoff now looks like they might have a chance to catch up to Mainz and Frankfurt who are both playing uh, pretty poorly and even Union Berlin who has a lot of L's um, as well uh, in their last five matches so Frankfurt is making this interesting it's it might be as fun to watch as the Champions League places are we do need to I think talk about how Eintracht Frankfurt have gone from a Europa League semifinalist. They narrowly lost on penalties to Chelsea last season. They almost got into the Champions League last year as well um, with their lethal front three of Jovic, Allaire, and and Rebic. Uh, All three have since left the club. Um, And they were expected to kind of obviously fall off a little bit, maybe at the very worst finish lower mid-table. But now they're getting sucked into this relegation battle, and it's really not looking good for them at all. Um, like certainly since the restart, they haven't been very encouraging, but you do got to credit Fortuna for uh, winning today because Werder Bremen was putting the pressure on them after, after getting a, a surprising victory of their own and picking up four points in the last two games. But generally speaking, Eintracht Frankfurt, if they go down, that would be a slight disaster. Um, and they've been, I feel at least quite unlucky in some ways, because goal scoring wise, there, there there are still no problems, despite the fact they lost those three pivotal forwards. Defensively, they've just been conceding left, right, and center. Um, and their expected goals against really shows that they shouldn't be conceding this much. I think their XGA is 41 and they've conceded 52 goals, something like that. So even if they conceded five fewer goals or something like that, they could be clear and dry from this relegation battle. But the fact they keep hemorrhaging goals isn't helping at all in their last five games they've uh, allowed 18 goals so that, that, that pretty much sums up exactly what peter's saying i mean they got pounded by byron last weekend and i mean as peter alluded to good on them for coming back against freiburg but uh yeah certainly uh, some troubling times 
for Frankfurt. Okay, let's talk about a little bit of Canadian content here on the Foob Pod. Uh, this is our inaugural episode for those of you just tuning in. Um, the, the biggest name in really Canadian soccer and uh, now everyone in the world is, is being able to see him, uh, especially due to the pandemic, is Alfonso Davies. The, the product of Edmonton has just absolutely been in the spotlight, and it's really hard to miss him, honestly, if you watch a uh, Bayern Munich game. Uh, he has been absolutely awesome, uh, in my opinion, since the return from COVID. I'd love to get your guys' thoughts as to what you think has, has made Davies uh, good or if, if you even like uh, what he's been doing on the pitch since uh, the return. I, I mean, in, in one word, he's he's been phenomenal. Um, it, you know, I might be being captain obvious here, but the thing that stands out when it comes to Alfonso Davies is clearly his speed. Um, and it's been on display since the return especially in that, that win over Frankfurt, Ryan, that you just mentioned, when he had uh, an assist uh, that mainly came from his speed and his recovery speed and a goal that came also from his speed, turning um, uh, Jelson Fernandez's um, clearance, in air quotes, into, into a goal. Um, but the other thing he's really shown is he's got great offensive instincts, um, and we see that as he as he bombs forward and creates a lot of chances with crosses, and then you're you're starting to get the sense that he's comprehending his defensive responsibilities as well. And I think we saw that in Tuesday's win over Dortmund, where um, where he you know didn't get as forward as he usually does, but still made a lot of really good defensive plays. And I think he'd be the first to admit that his positioning needs work. And that's a good sign. He's aware of it. He's willing to work on it. Um, but in the meantime, he can use that speed and the instincts that he has to to stay in good form. And and he has really shown his potential in the last three match days. So I just want to jump in before Peter answers here uh, because I, I want to sort of TP, tee up uh, – <laughs> <laughs> he wants to TP the. You want to? You want to what? <laughs> I want to deep Peter up here uh, with this quote from Thomas Mueller yesterday because I think it bounces off of Jeff's point really well. Uh, Mueller said this after the the win over Dorman. He said, "Quote: Sometimes maybe he, in reference to Alfonso Davies, is not the best position on the field, but he keeps the opponent thinking, oh, I have time, I have time, and then meep 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 meep." The Roadrunner, the SC Byron Roadrunner, comes and steals the ball, end quote. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up his, uh, certainly his defensive game. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't have said it better myself if I was Thomas Muller, but Jeff alluded to the fact that Davies uh, will admit that his positioning could use work, and he did say it after the game. He was asked about his scintillating pace, mainly because he basically stopped a clear-cut chance from Erling Holland during the game. Um, and he said in terms of his speed, quote, a factor, it, it's a factor in my game that I use very well, but I think over the years going forward with this team, I will definitely learn more about better positioning so it doesn't look like I'm out of position just running back as fast as I can to catch up. And that is, I think the fact that he's aware of that is so important because I feel like a lot of people in Canada, and I understand it, watching him, especially when there are no other live sports on, it's very exciting he is a young Canadian kid who has less than 30 games of experience at left back, a position he seldom played before coming to Germany. 
Um, and he's doing it for one of the biggest clubs in the world, lighting it up in the Champions League, making mincemeat of some pretty solid Bundesliga clubs. Now, are they the biggest threat to him? Probably not. I think any half-decent player on Bayern should be able to impress against Eintracht Frankfurt, against Freiburg, teams like that. Um, but you still have to show up and, and obviously do the work, and he has done that. So he's gotten past that stage. But what we saw against Dortmund is exactly what he's talking about. Yes, he can make up ground with his speed. But what happens when players start to catch on to the fact that, oh my God, this guy's going to come in and take the ball away from me if I don't make a decision quickly? More players are going to catch up to that because there were times when Torgan Azar, who's not a slowpoke by any means, when Erling Haaland, who when he gets going is almost unstoppable, they were quite lackadaisical before Davies caught up to them. And when you're running in a straight line, that's going to give you an advantage. Um, so what happens when players start to adjust? That's when he's probably going to have to learn that positioning more so, so that he's not constantly having to chase down a player. Um, and it will help him in the future too, because then he can conserve energy to get forward, um, which is exactly where he's made a massive impact. His expected goals build up, his XG chain, which are metrics used to, to determine how involved the player is in terms of creating chances are both through the roof. His dribbling numbers are amazing. He attempts and completes tons and tons of pressures, recovers the ball super quickly in a high press, tons of, of accurate crosses. I mean, he's, he's a very complete fullback, no doubt about it, but we do need to, I think, temper expectations a little bit in Canada by comparing him to other quality fullbacks like Andy Robertson, like, you know, name your pick because it's still his first full season in Europe with Bayern Munich. He has to do this over the course of a couple of years to even get into the conversation of best left backs in the game. On current form, sure, you can have that conversation, but before then, it's still too premature for me. I agree with you, Peter. I think people definitely get caught up in the fact that, you know, his name has definitely been floating around Canada for the, uh, a few years now. But when you look at it, take a step back, you know, under 30 games experience at, at one of the top uh, levels in the game. I mean, that, that's pretty crazy. Um, and it's also crazy to see how a Canadian is fitting in so well with a, a, a giant club like Bayern Munich as well. It is fun to watch, but I do agree with you that, you know, people have to look at it with some caution as well. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Let us have this one. Let us just enjoy this one as we come out of one of the most horrible events while we're still in it, not coming out of it, in our history. Also, this isn't devil's advocate. This is just an observation that a lot of Canadians will understand. But when when Canada gets behind an athlete, it's it's really one of the most joyful things that, that a sports fan could see because they're 100% behind them. All the time, it, it reminds me of when the Blue Jays made that run in 2015 and 2016. Just so many people were behind that team, and I can I can almost feel as Davies catapults to superstardom, um, not tempering expectations clearly, how much this country will get behind him. And I and I love that it's really good for soccer in this country. For sure, it is. Um, and when you consider his story, in terms of like just his entire life and how he got to this point it's really motivating and it's and it's a little bit of a tearjerker too. And the fact that he debuted so young and made an impact right away for Vancouver, debuted for the national team at the Gold Cup, 
dominated at that gold cup in 2017 established himself went to went to europe and and now he's doing this like it cannot be understated how pardon my language and i will bleep this out but how up this is in a good way you know it boggles my mind sometimes just to kind of step back and realize just the path he's taken because i've seen him since he was 15 years old and to see it now is is just mind-blowing to me i got i got a headline for you before ryan jumps in here the rise of alfonso davies up in a good way we're, we're gonna have lots of discussion about alfonso davies going forward here uh he will most definitely be part of our our weekly canadian content uh discussion here on the food pod uh, i want to look ahead to the upcoming games this weekend and whatnot in the german bundesliga um and it features a lot of teams that we've talked a lot about whether they're in that that battle for champions league spots or if they're in the relegation zone battle. Friday, it starts off with Freiburg against Leverkusen. And then on Saturday, a few really good matchups here. Wolfsburg takes on Frankfurt. Bayern uh, against Dusseldorf. Uh, Mainz against Hoffenheim. Those should all be good. And on Sunday, uh, Gladbach against Union Berlin. So uh, certainly some good matchups here this coming weekend. Is there any one in particular that you guys are looking forward to? Uh, I, I mean, I'm all in on this Champions League uh, battle, so I'm really looking forward to both the Leverkusen and Gladbach matches. As we've talked about, these these teams have been inconsistent. Uh, they've laid some eggs, but it, it's going to come down, I feel, to these two teams for that last spot, and, and how things play out in the next six weeks is going to be fascinating. So I'm tuning into those two for sure. Yeah, agreed. I'm more... If I had to pick one or the other, I'm probably more interested in Gladbach and what they do against Union Berlin just because Union have really made it tough for their opponents in the first couple games since the restart. Like Bayern Munich really had to grind out a win in that first match back. Um, and then Union carried that into the derby. That You know, Hertha Berlin for the longest time were getting frustrated. So, you know, obviously Gladbach have to keep pace. We'll see how, how they handle just that compact three, five, two off, off the ball from Union Berlin. And if they can bypass it, if they can, they should have no problems, but that is easier said than done. I apologize that I was pronouncing Union Berlin wrong and saying it like a, someone from uh center protect PEI Union Berlin. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was doing the same. I didn't know it was pronounced onion. My bad. <laughs> onion. <laughs> <laughs> onion Berlin. Come see us for some schnitzel and onions. After onion, the yeah, onion Berlin. They have layers. Oh, sorry, bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Peter showed us all up as per usual, but that is the food pod life. All right. Before we go, I wanted to ask you guys what is the weirdest thing about quarantine soccer that you have seen so far. For me, it's the sex dolls being used in these stands by FC Seoul. I know this is a Bundesliga podcast, but still, that's uh, the weirdest thing I've seen so far during quarantine soccer. Yeah, that was definitely a bad choice. Mine is going to be when I was watching uh, Onion Berlin and Bayern Munich. Uh, Berlin has a really small stadium. It, I mean, relatively, it holds about 22,000 fans when it's full. But it's also surrounded by a bunch of, of trees. So when they were playing that first game back, um, you could hear the birds chirping as, as these guys are playing soccer, which is just something we're not used to as fans watching on TV because you can only hear 
the fans in the stands. So hearing the birds chirping as they're playing soccer was very bizarre and also a little sad because it's a, ro- a reminder of, of why we are where we are at this point in time. Yeah, to carry on the theme of no fans, for me it's the, at times, lack of adulation when a goal is scored. It, it's just very tepid applause. All you hear is just to sometimes Thomas Muller, and and this is my favorite because he is constantly screaming. And I knew this before there were no fans, but it's just more obvious without them. But when goals are scored for Bayern, he's like the only one screaming at the top of his lungs. You just hear a, amid complete silence when a goal is scored. And it's one of the funniest things. (laughs) Peter, that was amazing. The the sound effects have been the highlight of this. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. Uh, he's just, he's just, is... It sounds like angry but happy. He's like, ah! <laughs> that, that sounds like one of those spooky videos you see on YouTube that's like, is this Bigfoot? <laughs> I'm concerned for Peter's neighbors right now. Oh, uh, God, that's too good. But yeah, no, I agree. Regardless, guys, lots of fun having live soccer back uh, and also great having live soccer to talk about with you guys. I'm really glad it, uh, we took the initiative to get the Foob pod going, uh, and I hope you, the listener, are enjoying it as well. Uh, Jeff, any final thoughts before we sign off? No, just really uh, glad to be able to talk about live soccer, like you said, and we clearly had a lot to say, which was really good. And, and Peter, uh, can you can you give us some final thoughts and then a final Thomas Mueller scream before we go? Jeez, my, my throat's already sore from the first two, but I'll try after. No, just again, to echo the sentiment, great to watch uh, live soccer again. And I, I feel like, Ryan, you, I'm going to like write this down for you. I mean, I can't, you don't live here anymore, but I will send you daily texts. The, the German, what looks like a B is a double S. So it is Fuss. It's, we are now called the Foos Pod, but I'm down for the Foob Pod too, just to just to completely just to completely I, distance ourselves from all the other German soccer podcasts. It's like, no, this is a B, and we are sticking by it. And, uh, I, and, I, and love that. That, I love that. And to that, yes. I say, yeah. <laughs> come come here about Onion Berlin on the Foob Pod. <laughs> I just got absolutely called out at the end of the podcast for saying our I just wanted you now. to get the sign off. Well, I think we'll have to have this discussion uh, outside of the pod as to what we're actually naming ourselves. But uh, whereas, whether it's the Foos Pod or the Foop Pod, uh, thank you so much for listening. For Jeff Flo and Peter Galindo, I'm Ryan McKenna, and we'll hopefully see you next week. <laughs>